he told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of all seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants, and it becomes a tree so that the birds come and perch in its branches. He told them still another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until it worked all through the dough. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast. Talking about kings and kingdoms is not all that natural to us anymore. I suppose in Canada we still technically live under a monarch, but in general the world isn't ruled by kings and queens anymore, nor is it divided up into different kingdoms. At least that's not the language or terminology we use anymore. When we talk about our home country, Canada, we don't say the kingdom of Canada. We use country, the country of Canada. Sometimes we might use the dominion of Canada, but even that's language that's getting a little outdated. But while the language is different, the concept is the same. The country of Canada is a geographic area that stretches from St. John's all the way to Tofino, And that's the east-west boundaries of the kingdom of Canada. All that land is, and all the people who live here, we live under the authority of the government of Canada. Trudeau isn't our king, but as head of the ruling party, which happens to be a majority, he has a lot of power over what happens in our country. Dallas Willard has a simple way of describing the concept of a kingdom. He says that we're all like little kings and queens in our own respective domains. Your kingdom, says Dallas Willard, is the realm of your effective will. It's the place in your life where what you say goes. Some of you may be the king or queen of your kitchen. You set the culture in that place. You determine whether or not it's rude to burp at the dinner table. You decide how the plates should be stacked in the dishwasher, and if people stack them the other way, you give them an evil glance and say, no, 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 that's not how we do it in my kitchen. So that's the place in your life where what you say goes. It's your kingdom. Well, the kingdom of heaven is simply the realm of God's effective will. It's the place where he sets the culture, the area and people over which he has the final say and authority. The people listening to Jesus on the shore would have understood this loud and clear, this kingdom language. They knew all about the kingdom of God. This is what they were waiting and praying for. They were waiting for the day when when God would come and, and would make the crooked ways straight. They were praying for the day when a descendant of King David would ascend the throne in Jerusalem and and restore justice and righteousness to the land. And the disciples hoped that Jesus was their man. This is why they kept asking him, Jesus, are are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel or of Israel? 
because we've been talking and when you do, I'd like to sit on your right and my buddy over there would like to sit on your left. The disciples, they had in their mind an imminent kingdom, one with a king that looked like a king, sitting on a throne that looked like a throne and ruling over a geographic space that had specific boundaries. But what they got instead was a mustard seed and a little bit bit of yeast. This parable must have been totally shocking for the original hearers. Mustard seeds. These are itty-bitty little things. If you had a weigh scale and put a paper clip on one side, you'd need 750 mustard seeds on the other side in order to balance out the weigh scale. If a mustard seed fell out of your hand, you wouldn't be able to find it again. And if you did find it, it was so, if you could find it again, it'd be so small that you'd have trouble picking it off the floor. So you have to slide a piece of paper, or paper under it or something. Here's a, a, a picture of a mustard seed, which of course you can't see because it's so small, right? They're hidden in the cracks and crevice, crevices of, of Rabbi George's hands. Um, so these... These are small, small specks of dust, really. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, says Jesus. And yeast. Yeast is uh, quite small, too, especially in comparison to a heaping mound of dough. And do you notice how much dough that uh, flour that woman is working with? She, it says in some translations, about 60 pounds of flour. So we were talking about a lot of bread here. And of course, Jesus isn't talking about the little yeast pellets that we buy in packages at Save on Foods. He's talking about sourdough starter, that little bit of active culture that you nurture and mix into your next loaf. You don't need a lot of it, just a little bit, a few tablespoons, and then you mix it into the dough, and then it goes to work, causing things to rise. This is what the kingdom of heaven is like says Jesus. It's small. It's hidden from sight. Nothing to see here. And yet there's a surprising amount of power latent in that little seed, in that tablespoon of yeast. The mustard seed, though tiny, grows to be the largest of all garden plants. A fully mature mustard tree is about 20 feet tall, more or less. In fact, this plant grows so big that the birds eventually make a home in its branches. Who would have thought that something so small could turn into something so big? And the yeast, mix a little of that stuff into a lump of dough, put it somewhere warm, and then come back in two hours, and you will be absolutely astounded at the transformation that has taken place. Because though hidden from sight, the yeast permeates and then it begins to expand the entire loaf. This is what the kingdom of heaven is, is like, says Jesus. It starts small. A little seed is planted. A little bit of yeast is mixed through. But then things begin to grow. The gospel is planted into a five-year-old boy at vacation Bible school. He goes home, he forgets about it, but in time, the name of Jesus comes up in his mind and he starts to wonder, who is that guy? 
and the seed germinates and begins to grow. Or a woman who's hurting, who has just lost her husband, she calls a friend, she's hurting and she needs someone to listen to her. That woman's friend listens closely and then offers to pray for her hurting sister. And the love of Jesus passes from one woman to another like yeast travels through water and flour. The realm of God's effective will, says Jesus, has humble beginnings. It's forgotten in the ground. It's absorbed by the world. But then, miraculously and surprisingly, it grows and expands to become a major source of life and blessing. Notice how the tree grows so big and so strong that it becomes a home for the birds. And notice how much flour the woman is is making. She's working with about 60 pounds of flour. This isn't just Sunday soup and buns for her own family. This is bread for the whole neighborhood. When I think about this parable, um, you know, I see it in a way as a picture that can help us um, not only understand God's kingdom better, but the king of God's kingdom better, Christ Jesus didn't come to earth riding on the clouds with fire. He was born to insignificant parents in a nondescript place. A mustard seed tossed into the soil of history. A little bit of leaven mixed into the life of the world. But he knew and trusted the hidden power of his father's kingdom. And he never bothered to do battle according to the ways of the world. Instead of lobbing grenades, he lobbed parables. Instead of amassing an army, he gathered a small group of fishermen. He taught them to put away their swords and to turn the other cheek. From a worldly perspective, Jesus wasn't a very successful king. He didn't secure a physical kingdom for himself, nor did he amass power or wealth. And in the end, he died a terrible death on a cross, all alone, wearing a crown of thorns, which of course was just to mock him. It looked as though the kingdom of this world had overcome the kingdom of heaven. But in reality, the cross and the subsequent resurrection, they were the means through which God was overcoming the world through the power of his hidden and small kingdom. Everyone who met Jesus, who trusted Jesus as Jesus made his way throughout the world in his ministry, they were transformed by him transformed by the the mustard seed power at work within him. And everyone who rubbed shoulders with him, they experienced the leaven of life start to rise within within, within them. And of course, today, you can't point at the map and say, you know, this is Christ's territory. This is Christlandia, you know, the realm where Jesus is king. You can't point at the map and, and find that. But my goodness, the movement he started has brought such life to the world. And his area is the heart and soul, the life of anyone who bows the knee and declares that Jesus Christ is Lord. I'm thinking of the early church, armed only with the Spirit, And the gospel message, the 12 apostles bore witness to the kingdom in their speech and in their life. And through their witness, thousands came to submit their life to the lordship of Jesus Christ. The apostle Paul spread mustard seeds all over the Mediterranean. 
And slowly, trees began to grow up in various communities. In fact, in three short centuries, Christianity became the dominant religion of the entire Roman Empire. And historians wonder, how did that happen? How did that happen? It happened through prayer and the ministry of the word. It happened because Christians silently shared their possessions with each other, shared their possessions with the poor and took on the poor of the community to give them life too. The church as an institution and a movement has outlasted every philosophical trend. It has outlasted every other king and kingdom. And whenever someone tries to snuff it out and just get rid of all the Christians in their geographic area, well, that is just fuel to the fire and causes the movement to grow. Why is this? Because there is a hidden power at work in the church, the kingdom of God. And we don't always feel very powerful. I don't always feel like uh, I've got this kingdom power at work within me that's just growing and spreading. I, I sometimes feel weak. And when I do church work and we do church work together and we have council meetings and other conversations, sometimes it feels like we're just limping along. And when I look outside at the culture and everything that's changing, it's like, how are we going to, how are we going to make it? How are you going to sustain ourselves? How are you going to grow? Is there any way that we can combat uh, this growing trend of secular humanism? We limp along. But the church has been limping along for centuries. Other movements rise. They get very strong. It looks like they're going to take over, but then they fall. Other kings rise. They have all this power. Who could ever stand up against them? But then they fall, and the church limps on because the power of the kingdom is at work within her. One of my favorite modern-day examples of this parable uh, took place in the German city of Leipzig. Is that how you pronounce that? Leipzig? Yeah, Leipzig. It's a funny-looking word, but... During the, uh, during the 1980s. At the height of the Cold War, uh, Pastor Christian Fuhrer began a Monday night prayer service at his church in uh, Leipzig, East Germany. The communist authorities uh, were particularly brutal at this time during the 80s, and the people in the community were suffering pretty bad. So not knowing what else to do, Pastor Christian started a prayer service, and the goal was simple. He was going to gather some Christians together to pray for peace. The prayer service had humble beginnings. Just a few parishioners came out on Monday nights, five one week, maybe ten the next week. But as the persecution got worse, the prayer service began to grow. Soon hundreds of people were crowding into St. Nicholas Church on Monday nights. So Pastor Christian expanded the service and he began to use the opportunity to preach uh, the Sermon on the Mount. In October of 1989, a few thousand people attended the Monday night prayer service. They couldn't all fit in the building, so the prayer service spilled out onto the street. And when the prayer service was done, uh, 
the community walked out and they joined with another crowd of people that were engaged in a nonviolent um, protest. A month later, a month later, the wall that separated East Germany from West Germany was torn down. No tanks, no guns. And there were probably a number of seeds to that movement, but one of the seeds was that prayer group that came together every Monday night to ask and pray for peace. And less than a decade later, after that prayer service started, the birds were perching in that prayer service's branches, and the life was spreading out into the life of the community. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which is the smallest of seeds. And yet when it grows, it's the largest of garden plants and it becomes a tree so that the birds can come and perch in its branches. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed through some dough, about 60 pounds, until it had worked all the way through the dough. Don't underestimate the power of the hidden kingdom that is at work within us. Just because God's kingdom is largely invisible doesn't mean that it's non-existent. There is power in the seed that we carry and plant. There, the, there is the, um, the potential, the, the, the yeast-like potential that the Spirit is working in us that can pass through onto others and out into the community. And that life, this this power is spread simply and surprisingly through the little things of God's kingdom, through prayer, through preaching, the sacraments, through suffering. It's amazing. The early disciples needed to have their imaginations reshaped by this parable. Perhaps we need to have our imaginations reshaped by this parable too. This past week, as Ashley mentioned, 33 youth and their leaders uh, and, and others uh, worshipped uh, in this sanctuary, slept in our basement, and um, during the day they volunteered all throughout the city. Um, they were easy to see because they all had yellow shirts on with big orange dots in the middle. Um, but if they weren't wearing their yellow shirts, they would have simply blended into the background. And if you didn't know what you were looking for, you wouldn't even notice that they were there. You wouldn't see what they were doing and how they were functioning like yeast in our city. And yet there they were, serving the Lord, serving the world, the hidden Christian submitting to Jesus' call to serve and expanding the realm of God's effective will in our city. We shouldn't underestimate what took place last week, the seeds that were planted in their minds, the work that took place in our city. God's kingdom, it's not always spectacular in its how it shows up, but man, there's a hidden power there. The Spirit is at work causing things to grow. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.